Well, this morning, uh, Travis is not here with us. We are one church that meets in three locations. We have four campuses because Campus Espanol meets at this location. So four campuses, three locations, if you can figure that out. Um, but uh, this morning, Travis is over uh, preaching the Lord's Word at uh, the Sugar Grove campus. Uh, so today we have a special guest uh, with us. Uh, his name um, is uh, Reverend Ben, Ben Tumaherway. Um, and uh, I'll just let, let me uh, share just a little bit about him. He is the founder of Juna Amagara Ministries uh, in Uganda uh, that many of you may have heard of. Um, he is the first person from his village community uh, to ever have gotten um, a university degree. So he holds his bachelor degree from um, a university in Kampala, and uh, his master's degree in theology and religion is from Wheaton College, and most impressively, uh, his uh, doctorate, um, doctoral degree is from uh, Trinity. Uh, so he worked for 10 years um, uh, for a scripture union, an organization uh, in Uganda that's a lot like a young life that we have here in the States. Um, he's an ordained minister uh, in the Anglican Church of Uganda, um, and again, he directs the work at Juna Amagara. Now, uh, this is not just something that I'm introducing some guy I've never met before, but I've been uh, to Ben's hometown. Uh, Emily and I were able to travel uh, just a few years ago to Uganda uh, to meet, uh, to see uh, the community where uh, Ben's work is taking place, Ben and the ministry Juna Amagara. And not only that, but Emily and I also uh, support um, a child through that ministry. Um, just like a compassion or world vision, you can uh, support a child. Um, here is uh, our uh, supported sponsored child, Julius Curitu Bajo. We were able to go uh, meet him to be at his house, and he gave us a chicken, which many of you would be like, well, that's, I was like, I'm not sure this is going to fit in my luggage on the way home, you know, to put the, but, uh, but that was what he had to give us, and it was very, uh, very impactful. Um, I have uh, with me also um, a bunch of letters that uh, that he sends uh, with us. So it's cool that over the years we've been able to see him grow up, him develop, uh, his walk with the Lord grow. And just today I received another letter because they send them uh, like Ben brought them uh, with him. Uh, so um, I want to encourage you. We have at that back table uh, there are some some more children that need to be uh, sponsored. Uh, many of the children, uh, if not all of the children that they work with are AIDS orphans, um, orphans of people who have passed away uh, because of being affected uh, with AIDS. Um, and so that's what they do. Uh, they're very Christ-centered. And I think what's really unique about Juna Amagara um, as compared with like Compassion or World Vision is that with Juna Amagara, there are people from our church this summer going to, uh, to be uh, with them to be able to meet their sponsor children. So I would encourage you, go check it out. Um, go check out, see if that's something you'd be interested in. But uh, let's give a warm Village Bible Church welcome to Ben. Ben, come on up. Let's welcome him. Thank you, sir. Good morning. This is not coffee, it's uh, just water. I asked them to uh, give me some water. I am very happy and privileged to be here this morning. And I bring greetings to you from uh, my family. I talked to them this morning actually in the parking lot. And uh, uh, I also bring greetings to you from the US Board 
members of Juna Amagara because last night we had a, a 10th anniversary celebration for the ministry uh, at Hotel Arista in Naperville. And uh, I also bring special greetings this morning to you from the new Juna Magara board chairman, Pastor Keith Duff. <laughs> from yesterday, he is the chairman, and so we want to thank you for giving us a chairman, and we believe that uh, the organization is going to grow in leaps and bounds because of the uh, capable uh, person that Pastor Keith is. And uh, I love him. Uh, we were at Wheaton College at the same time. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. But we have come now to agree that we are to live for the motto of Wheaton College, which is for Christ and his kingdom. The king taught about the subject I have been given to uh, minister about this morning. Forgiveness. Is there anyone who needs forgiveness here? I think the thing, the one thing that will get us into heaven, the one thing that will get us into God's presence to enjoy the blessings that are with God, is this one thing, forgiveness. Because if there was no forgiveness, if there was no forgiveness in the garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed, human existence would have ended there. It would have ended there. But you see, it's God's prerogative to decide how to deal with what he has created. And so in the Garden of Eden, God used his prerogative to decide to forgive Adam and Eve. And therefore, God set the powerful ministry of forgiveness as the only avenue, the amazing variable ministry that perpetuates God's goodness and grace. Necessary for meaningful divine and human relationships as well as human to human relationships. And so if you are looking for a ministry to be involved in, The ministry of forgiveness. It's a ministry that brings blessings beyond imagination. See, the setup for forgiveness again is found in the Garden of Eden. 
where God comes looking for Adam and Eve who had sinned and broken fellowship and gone into hiding. God comes looking for them and calls them and asks them where they are. God seeks for you and I. And their response was, we had you coming. We went hiding. We were afraid. Would you hide if you hadn't done anything wrong? You see, God designed us to know and to differentiate between wrong and right. And so when they did what was displeasing to God, they knew it. So they went and hid. But you know, the proverbial saying that uh, the ostrich, I come from a country that has ostriches, that ostriches, you know, hide their head, the big birds. They hide their head and think you can't see them. That was Adam and Eve behaving like ostriches. But God saw them. God sees each one of us. But he sees us with mercy and compassion. And so even though the commandment had been, if you eat on this tree and from this tree in the center of the garden, you will die. Judgment and condemnation was deferred. Because had, God had also given them the ministry of procreation, being co-workers with God in continuing what he had created and declared very good. And so in order to continue the very goodness of God's creation, forgiveness had to come in. And Jesus Christ is aware of that when he says, we are to forgive as our Father has forgiven us. God's willingness to forgive us shows us the way we are to relate to others. God clothed Adam and Eve and covered their nakedness and shame. Animals had to be killed and their blood was shed. That then started the practice that we see in the Old Testament of sacrificial worship, where blood is shed for the remission of sins. In the worship of the Jewish tradition. Hebrews tells us that where there is no bloodshed, there is no forgiveness of sins. And yet, the blood of animals, the blood of sheep and goats and cows could never atone completely for the sins that you and I are capable of committing. So whereas God 
allowed animals to continue dying for you and I. They were not the perpetuators of sinful actions. They were the innocent party paying the price for you and I and the world. But that was God's plan. That's what God desired to offer as he moved the salvation plan towards what would be the ultimate sacrifice for my sin and your sin. What I find amazing in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, that talks about the fall of man, is the fact that God tells Cain to master sin, which was approaching him. And the setting for this is where these two brothers, and someone talked about giving to God as worship, our giving to God as worship. The two brothers, Cain and Abel, are moved to bring an offering to God. Cain is a farmer. He grows crops, and he brings an offering to God. Apparently, he doesn't bring good fruit. He brings just anything that he landed on. Abel picks the choice animals from his flock, and he brings it to God. And God approves of Abel's offering. Rather than beat his chest and go back and pick good offering, Cain decides to go and pick a fight with his brother and he kills him. God comes and says, Cain, where is your brother? Instead of saying, I killed my brother, he says, None of my business. Am I my brother's keeper? And God said, the blood of your brother is crying from the ground. Blood, connection to forgiveness. Where there is no forgiveness, blood is shed. So God says, your ground is going to be cast. Cain is chased away from productive land. Guess what Cain did? What Jesus teaches us to do, to go to the Father and say, forgive us our debtors as we forgive those who owe us. The first person to pray for forgiveness was Cain. Did you know that? Cain went to God and said, the punishment you've given me is too much. People are going to meet me and they will kill me. You know, God is so good. God tells Cain, I am going to put a mark on you. 
And if anyone hears you, they will suffer seven times. So God puts a mark on Cain. And Cain goes and wanders and does things and survives. That is the setup that God has put for you and I to be able to come to him and seek and find forgiveness. So when Jesus teaches us about prayer, it is not surprising that he places the request for forgiveness next to the request for daily bread. Just as we need physical bread for physical sustenance, we need forgiveness for spiritual sustenance and survival. Without forgiveness from God, we would be not here. We are here. I am here because of that ability of God by his grace and choice to forgive when we go to him and ask for forgiveness. A scripture that warms my heart that I would like to read is Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. There are many scriptures that I have, but I'm going to read a few. Colossians chapter 3 talks about uh, what God did for us in order to set us free. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. If we have experienced forgiveness, it will be easy for us to give forgiveness. It is so uplifting to know that we can find forgiveness when we go to God in prayer. It is exciting to know that prayer is the key. That we have 
That's what we have to do to go to God when we have messed up to find forgiveness and to find help. Because the offense of falling short of the glory of God is too great to be paid for. The dollars can't do it. The pounds can't do it. Cows can't do it. Sheep can't do it. It is the mercy of God that brings us. And so the Christian gospel accounts of the Samaritan polyandrous woman who found Jesus and she found forgiveness at the well. The story of the woman caught in adultery whose name is not even given that we read about in John chapter 8 verse 1 to 11 who is brought to Jesus for condemnation and destruction and she finds forgiveness from Jesus. When Jesus asks everyone and says who were there that he or she who has never sinned be the first to throw the stone at this woman. Remember that story? Scripture says everyone started walking away beginning with the adults whose sins were many to the last children when they realized that the adults were gone, they also left. And the woman found herself with Jesus. Jesus Ask, where are they that condemn you? The woman says, they are gone, sir. And Jesus says, you are free. You are forgiven. I don't condemn you. Jesus came into the world not to condemn but to save us and set us free from our sins. There are other texts that we find in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, that says, therefore Jesus Christ is able to forgive and save completely those who come to God through him because he lives daily to intercede for us. Remember Jesus Christ on the cross, dying He ministered forgiveness to the entire universe when he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That is Jesus Christ, the giver of forgiveness. That gives me and you the encouragement to know that when we are in Christ Jesus, there is forgiveness. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 to 15, and 10 to 5, 5 and 10 also tells us that Jesus Christ, once for all, was able to do for humanity what humanity could never do for itself. Jesus Christ, together with God the Father and the Son, did what I call the, the, the universal declaration of universal salvation. 
That those scriptures and revelations, chapter 5, verse 5 to 14, truthfully bear witness that God presented a bill through the heavenly counsel of his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And the bill was approved, passed, and duly signed with the blood of Jesus Christ into the universal affordable sin care law of eternal salvation. It is made available for us. It makes forgiveness accessible for all sinners who sign up by believing in Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior, irrespective of age, irrespective of economic background, irrespective of color, country of habitation, or gender, or job location. That is how universal the salvation that Jesus Christ when he agreed to come into the world at the request of God the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is what Jesus Christ made available for us. That salvation and forgiveness would be accessible to all. There's only one who is opposed to that bill, to that law, that Satan. So when you and I attempted not to forgive the trivial things that people do to us, when we want to hide in our self-righteousness and fail to know that we sin against God, we are on the enemy's side. But when we are eager and willing to forgive we are on the Lord's side. And we are doing what is pleasing and acceptable in his sight. So what you and I are expected to do are to be blessed people. Blessed men and women. Blessed teenagers. Blessed adults. Blessed children. Psalm 32, David makes this declaration that blessed is the man and woman whose sins are forgiven. Blessed is the person who God does not count their sins against. Quite often people say, oh, how are you? And my response is, I am blessed. I did that at, at a bank. Someone said, how are you? I said, I am blessed. And he looked at me and said, wow. He said, what do you mean? I said, my sins are forgiven. And he said, well, that's interesting. He said, come and tell me about it. And I shared with him. And he became a friend. And we prayed in the bank. And he said, you are the first customer in 36 years of ministry in the bank as a banker that has done this, that has prayed for me in the bank. And I told him, because I'm blessed. I am not afraid. I am blessed to be a blessing. Guess what? I went to see this man on Thursday to tell him about our celebration. And he signed the check of $75 and said, I'm not coming but I want to put in my blessing for that. 
when I was coming here, we were at the airport in Kampala, in Entebbe rather, and uh, before the flight took off, the spirit prompted me to bless the people who are going to travel with me. So I stood up and I said, ladies and gentlemen, a good early morning because our flight was at 1.10 a.m. And uh, I said, a blessed good early morning to you all. And I said, uh, Uganda is a free country. We have the freedom of worship. And I said, uh, if you have seen uh, uh, as you traveled and visited us, our motto is for God and our country. And I said, thank you for having come to visit us. And I said, I hope you'll come again. And I said, together with my colleagues, Ugandans, we want to bless you by praying for you. I said, hallelujah. And a child who was in her mother's womb, or arm said, amen. I love children. That's why Jesus loves children and said, let the children come to me. That's why Jesus said, unless we are like children, we'll never enter the kingdom of God. So the child broke the resistance. And people laughed. And I said, amen. People said, amen. Let's do it. So we prayed. I prayed at the airport and blessed God's people and asked for God's forgiveness and covering as we take to the skies. I tell you, when I finished, many people came and thanked me. I said, I've just done what I'm supposed to do. And the ladies who check the tickets and passports, as you go out, they said, we've never seen this happen. They said, why don't people do it? So, upon return, I'm going to put in my application for Airport chaplain. <laughs> Airport blesser. Because I have been blessed so that I can be a blessing to others. As I finish, you and I are encouraged and commanded by Jesus to be dispensers of forgiveness. The ministry of forgiveness is a very important ministry. As I've said, it is the most powerful ministry. It's a ministry that does not need to go to a Bible college or a seminary and acquire degrees like I have acquired. It is a ministry that is done by the qualification of knowing that you have been forgiven. And because you have been forgiven, you are asked by the forgiver to minister with him the currency of forgiveness. Is it easy? No, it isn't. I have been struggling with a nephew of mine. His dad died. In 1995, started taking care of him and his siblings, three of them. Started taking care of his mom. He's now 20 plus years old. 
Last year, he took me to court and said, I owed him. I owed him blessings of land and money that his father did not leave. He took me to the community court and the community court said, this man deserves flogging. I said, no. I said, I forgive him. The community told me, you are a reverend. You can do that. We will not forgive him. Because if he can do this to you, when we know all the things you've done for him, what is he going to do for us? They told me that if I did not allow them to do communal judgment as a community, I would pay the consequences. So I said, do what you need to do. They arrested him. They put him in a prison. I let him go there. I went to see him. I asked that they release him. He was released. He went away. And then he came back and said, forgive me. Amen. I was crying. Say, forgive me all my sins. I want to be born again as a child in the family. I want to be helped. I said, what do you want to do? What do you want? He wanted money to go away. I said, no, I want you to go back to school. He had run out of school. Now he's in school. That is an experience that has brought joy to the community, and the community is together working with me now where I am to make sure that he lives up to the opportunity of blessing that he has received. I am amazed by uh, Peter, our disciple Peter, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22. Peter goes to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? You know, Peter asks a question that I ask myself sometimes. Do you ask yourself that question? Do you find, is there someone you deal with that, you know, you, you say, well, you know, there is a limit to this. And Jesus said, and he said, should I forgive him seven times? Remember, that's the seven times that God talked about in referring to forgiveness that he gave to Cain. Peter knew about that. And says, should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. Sorry, Pete. It's not easy. The ministry of forgiveness is not easy. But he says, you have to do it. And you know, Peter was an angry person. I'm sure he ran into trouble with his uh, uh, brothers and especially the thundering sons of Zebedee. <laughs> no wonder they called them the uh, sons of thunder with their desire for presidential positions next to Jesus. They must have ticked him off. 
And, and Jesus says, you've got to forgive them 70 times 7, Pete, because you have been forgiven. Remember, Jesus Christ forgave Peter and reinstated him, even after he had denied Jesus Christ. Is this ministry easy? No. But Stephen, remember Stephen the martyr in Acts chapter 7, verse 54 to 60, when he was being stoned to death, seeing Jesus, he said, Lord, forgive them. Do not count this sin against them. So the secret for you and I to be able to forgive is to stay focused on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. When we see Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, then we are able to forgive. The people of South Africa, inspired by their leader, Nelson Mandela, were able to exercise forgiveness and reconciliation and heal the nation that could have been wiped off with racial and uh, conflict. Is it possible? Yes. With God's help, it is possible. So my prayer is that you and I we will be like the dispensing chemists that we find Juro Osco, Pharmacy, Walgreens, CVS, Walmart. You know those places? How many of us have gone to them when we were stuffy nosed and, you know, we had temperatures and, you know, we, we ran to them and we are so relieved to find that they are there 24 hours on call and they had the stuff we needed. We are called to be dispensers of forgiveness as people who have been forgiven by the Lord. Amen? In conclusion, do we do what the world says is easy, forgive and forget? No, because it is not easy to forget offenses that have committed against us. Only God says he can forgive, and not because he's a, an, a senile old person up there. No, because it is his prerogative. He chooses to forget my sins covering them with the blood of Jesus. But for you and I, what then is our duty, our alternative? This is it. We are at liberty to forgive and remember to forgive and remember again to forgive and again for as long as we are alive. That's the only thing we are allowed to do. And by doing that, we are participants in this powerful ministry of forgiveness. So help us, God. I would like us to pray. Is there someone you need to forgive? Raise your hand if there is someone you need to forgive. And it's been difficult, but you have had and you want to forgive that person. Raise your hand. I see a child raising a hand. That's it's a blessing. You know, uh, children, we offend our children, and they offend us. We offend each other as we offend God. Raise your hand if you have someone that you would like to forgive. And we'll pray. Uh, raise your hand if you would like to be forgiven. Raise your hand if you'd like to be forgiven.
Raise your hand as well. You would like to be forgiven. You would like to be forgiven by God. You would like to be forgiven by some other people. Because God is at work when he speaks and brings a message like this. He wants to minister healing to us. He wants to minister that which is the greatest ministry avenue for reconciliation and restored relationships with God and with one another. So let's pray. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins, Heavenly Father, through the work done by Jesus Christ and the blood he shed to cover the multitude of our sins. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.